0: Welcome, listeners, to another edition of our Authentic Conviction podcast. Uh, this one is a little bit off the rails compared to normal, and I, I've alluded to, to this many times before. But essentially, um, you know, we, we do a lot of things on a daily basis, and one of the things that's been a big part of my life is uh, coaching kids, and um, in particular, coaching baseball. Baseball has been a big part of my life, and. Years ago, we are going to get into the organization to, to, to put together uh, about years to go, and, uh, and then coach. I've been the head coach of, of uh, our age group, uh, starting at 10U all the way up to now we're at 14U. And as we speak, driving from Cincinnati to Westfield, well, Indianapolis, Indiana, to the biggest sporting complex in North America, Grant Park. Uh, what I want to talk about is because last weekend, I had with a heavy heart uh, made the announcement to our families who essentially have become one big family that I am going to hang up my, uh, my, my coaching gear. I'm, I'm going to step away from coaching. Um, I've been, I've been doing this as long as I can remember time, really. I mean, as far back as my memory goes and, and beyond just coaching this organization, but coaching, uh, multiple sports. And uh goes back to when I was eighteen years old coaching and i'm I'm now forty four so i'm twenty six years into doing this and it is time for a new chapter and it's time honestly for me to be dad, but I thought it would be a really good opportunity to reflect on a lot of the things that are are well i would say both good and bad, and you know youth sports brings a lot of entertainment to the world and i've I've been at the at the forefront of all of it and Thankfully, we were able to weather, uh, any storm in terms of the drama and the things that come along with these sports. And, and I think that these are invaluable things that people can listen to as they enter into this, this world of, of uh, not just youth baseball, but of any sport. So we, we're going to talk about the things that, um, that, that really went into us building this organization the right way. Started with three teams back in, um, oh gosh. So that was, uh, five years ago. So that was in 2016. Started with three teams in the organization and uh, quickly grew to seven teams and really we wanted to set out to prove that you can compete on a national level um, while still you know holding a good culture and being being uh, all class on and off the field and I'm, I'm happy to say that we've been able to accomplish that in the five years that, that we've been in an organization so um, at any rate we uh, yeah it's, uh, it, it, it's it's a it's a, it's a crazy, windy road that you get on when you're trying to give your kids opportunities to, to excel opportunities to be to be successful in the things that they want to look at and really for us it was about uh, you know a couple simple things number one you know i I'd, I'd rather take a seven out of ten talent level baseball player with a 10 out of ten class level family than, than a superstar baseball player and, and, a, and a crazy family and and I think that that formula is one that's worked well for us but ironically, you know, the other thing that plays in is some of these kids that you see that are absolute monster players at ages 7, 8, and 9 aren't always the ones that are the best players when they're 13, 14, and 15. So we took it upon ourselves to not just focus on winning multiple trophies, which uh, I will say, thankfully, they have been able to do. They've won over 35 tournaments in five years, which is unheard of. But, But do it in a way where we're continuing to develop them. Continuing to give them opportunities in different places on the field, knowing that we have no idea what what skill set and what their body is going to look like, and how they're going to perform when they're fourteen, 15, 16, and when they're in their big boy body. And so we felt like we owed it to them to at least figure that out. So um, I am going to be bringing in one of our coaches, and he's been a, he's been a godsend to to the organization. Um, but you know, one of the first things that I tell people that say, "Hey, I want to start a team." My first thing I say is don't, <laughs> and then and then right after that is, you know, here are the things that you need to be prepared for. And one of the things that definitely needs to be uh, prepared for is having somebody that can be the backbone to the organization and and all the details that go into it. Because it doesn't matter what you know about baseball if you don't have somebody that can help you stay organized. They can help be in the dugout, but also uh, be be in charge of logistics and planning and everything else that you need. Without that organizations will crumble. So um, we were lucky enough to find a dad on our team. Uh, I think Brad Thomas, who, whose uh, son, AJ is like a second son to me, like the rest of them, but um, was, was somebody that loves baseball. I'll let him tell the story. But he he's actually in the dugout in the clubhouse with the 1987 Reds, uh, or I apologize the 1989 Reds. and uh, as a bad boy and a ball boy. And so he's got pretty cool, pretty cool history with uh, baseball, not just as a player, but as a fan. And uh not only knows the game and play now, but is extremely organized and disciplined in helping us run our organization um So we are going to uh bring Brad in, and we're going to share some of our uh feedback and then and then later on in the episode, we have another guest r. j. Hayes, who's another one of our coaches that will do the same so uh, without further ado, I'll be bringing in Mr. Brad Thomas to the call you know first and foremost, you know you were you were a part of this this from the very beginning and uh you know we started with a different organization in our first couple of years and then and then we merged in, you know, to try to build something that we felt was a little bit better for the families and better for the kids. And uh, do, do you have a good memory of, of, of those early years of when we when we set out to do this? I do. I do. You know we we thought we knew what we were doing, right? Um we we, we, we laid it out properly but until you experienced it You know, looking back, it it was a lot of work. It really was. Uh, The families were our main concern, right? We love the kids, love the families. Wanted to have an environment that uh, they could all fit in and flourish. You know, and then we got to figure out uniforms. You got to figure out practice fields. You got to figure out what tournaments you want to play in. Uh, I remember it vividly, you know, because you and I still live it today, right? Uh, But uh, it was great. It was a great time. Uh, I still love it. Uh, I'm sad to see it come to an end, but it always does. But yeah it's great It's been a lot of fun and and I, I i I kind of talked I gave a little bit of an intro and looking back on that and i and you know you you were always one to, to slow me down on this and, you know when you hold on to things from your past, it really just slows down your future and and I truly believe that, but in light of, of of the task at hand to to build a new organization, I talked about how key your role was in not just being a baseball mind but being hyper organized you know, which is, which is obviously not my skill set and I'm aware of my weaknesses. Right. But <laughs> you can't, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And so it it takes a village, you know, right. and and looking back, you know, it really was about, uh, aside from silencing, you know, all the critics and, and, and trying to turn a deaf ear to a lot of the, a lot of the venom that was being spit at us, but we, but we stayed the course and I, and I don't know how you feel, it's something I feel the most proud of because I think it's really easy. And first of all, you're right. Let me, let me just address what you said. People think because their kid's a good shortstop and that they can get three or four other kids from their local area that they can build a baseball team, and it's just not the case. In, in fact, I said earlier, Brad, when anybody comes to me and says, hey, I'm thinking about starting my own organization, my first response is don't. And my second response is if that's not going to be an answer that you like, then you better get somebody that can help you stay organized and streamline in what you're doing because it's just as much a business as it is teaching baseball, right? Like, think of like, t- t- tell me, like you know, on a weekly basis, what are what are the things that you do every single week for the organization? Okay, so you know when we started this off, it was a benefit for us that I'm I'm an operations guy anyway. Okay, so. It wasn't difficult for me to take what I do on a day-to-day basis at work and flip it into okay. Now, how do we do it for uh, families and for kids for a baseball organization? Okay, so that was that was key. Um, not everybody's going to have that. Uh, I lucked out. We all lucked out. But as the season progresses, well, actually bring back up before the season progresses, um, there are things like insurance you have to get lined up that you totally forget about. You know, right? I mean, you don't think about having insurance for your baseball kids. They're not your kids. Well, guess what? They are.
1: Uh, trying to find practice facilities, the training. I bet preseason it is a good, um, wow, 10 to 12 hours a week. Um, and then once the
0: season starts, I can guarantee you that every Monday, Tuesday, for probably four to five hours, I am looking at emails and going through stuff and making sure that birth certificates are there. Uh, the, next, the next event, uh, hotel rooms are blocked, uh, making sure every family knows our uniforms. It's a lot of work. It really is. You know, and anybody that, like you said, that wants to get into this, okay, great, you're the baseball mind. Get somebody who knows baseball, but that can keep you organized because you cannot do it by yourself. That would be my biggest point to anybody. Do not try to go it alone. You better bring in three of who I would say are trusted individuals uh, and from various walks of life or backgrounds and, uh, and tackle it as a team. That would be my biggest, uh, my biggest point, my pointer to anybody. Don't do it alone like you said you can't do it and and not only that but the the, you know you get so caught up and 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 on top of that first of all let me let me just add to that because okay so we spend the time we get our indoor our indoor training uh set up which is the supply and demand is not always in your favor so you're trying to coordinate the days that work around other people's sports right because they're still playing sports in the winter and then you got to find a location that matches most of the people and you get there's all these things that go into it. Oh, by the way, that doesn't even include the training regimen that you're putting together for the kids. You know, what are we doing? When are we getting into bullpens? How many? How much are we throwing in our bullpen? What are we focused on in January versus February and March? There is just so much that goes into it where, you know, kind of watching it at eight, nine, and this is definitely not an indictment on anybody, but the kids were so good that basically indoor was, let's hit a bunch of ground balls, take a bunch of swings, throw a bullpen, right? Like, right. that that's not really training and and so we kind of we took it to that next level but the the other thing i would say above and beyond this logistical stuff is you know it's so easy to get caught up in winning and winning it's as easy for us to say because we did a lot of it you know i mean we were the premier team even going back to the earlier organization at eight U, all the way up now things change at 14 you know the field gets bigger the, the teams get a little bit better there's a it's not really about one team or two teams dominating. It's more about just playing good teams and having good competition. But from 8 to 13, we pretty much ruled the roost. And we, and it's, so it's easy for us to say, well, don't focus on winning because we did it a lot. But let's face it. The one thing that we didn't do, Brad, is throughout that, is always look for that shiny new toy. Ooh, look at this kid. He's throwing 70 miles an hour. Look at how far this kid hits it. Or We, we didn't cut from from 10U until 14U didn't cut a single player. And I, no. and I I take so much pride in that. But can you imagine if we had just said, you know what, we're going to tell one or two families that their kid isn't, isn't making the cut. By the way, we don't know what they're going to grow into. But they're they're not going to make the cut so that we can go out and find the next big monster. I mean, can you imagine if we had done that? No, I couldn't. And that's why we both let off with when we were trying to create this. We started with family and then the kids and then the program. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Looking back, if we would have told pick one or two kids that struggled, uh, maybe didn't grow into their bodies yet like some other ones did and say, hey, we're going to kind of make a move. You know, we'll help you find a new team. I don't know that I could have lived with that. Right. So now you, you, you do have those situations where you do have a player who's maybe not developing. But I think instead of us saying we're going to cut them and pick up that shiny new toy, we decided, well, let's work with them. What's what's the downside, right? Uh, there's only upside. there. Mm-hmm. They're only going to get better, and I think that allowed us to keep that program together. You know, outside of attrition because families move or someone wants to leave the organization, uh, players together uh, since that eight nine U season until right now at fourteen U. That's huge. Who can say that? Well, and 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 having the foresight, and this is why. So here's my hope, Brad, is that number one, first of all, this is fun for me. Like you, you were with me last weekend. I could barely get the words out because it was so difficult to look at our families and let them know that I'm finally hanging them up. You and I know that it's the perfect time. In fact, I would argue that had last year not been so odd with COVID and, you know, because we got robbed of some of those memories, right, of traveling with right. the kids, you know, yeah. is that we, we kind of wanted to go out on our own terms, you know. And yep. so, but had that not happened, we probably would have been having this conversation last year, you know. It, it would have been. It, yeah. And so, and by the way, last year was one of our best years where they went yeah. six or five or six out of eight, turn, nine tournaments, and they were able to get 40 quality games in. And, and they, they played like champions all year. And we decided, you know what? All right, let's see how the winter goes and spring goes. But so, so the time came, and it was it was time. This is the right time. It is. But in light of that, you know, my hope is that these coaches at, at nine, eight, nine, 10, 11, you know, even 12 can realize. There are people out there that can provide a playbook for me that I can, that I can, I can trust in because I know they've been there. They have the experience. They know what to expect. Um, They know the pitfalls because here's the thing I would have, I would have done anything. We were pretty lucky. We had, I had my friend Josh Heath and some of the other coaches that were ahead of me kind of guiding me through. Now the only difference is they're only one year ahead of me. So at that time, 11 and 10 were pretty much, they were kind of the same, right? Like, there were little differences, but I remember being eight, and he's telling me about his nine years. He's telling me about the competition, how, how heated everything is, and blah. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And then sure enough, a month in, I'm like, man, he was right. But you think about it, I have a good friend of mine who runs one of the Ohio National teams in our organization. And literally, he will tell you, and, I, and I'm going to have him on, um, but he would tell you that the three or four or five key things that I've talked to him about in the last six months that he never would have thought came true absolutely came true. And and the whole focus was, I, trust me, you're going to, in 20 years, you're going to be cleaning out your garage. and You're going to get rid of all those 30 Cheerios Open trophies that you won in <laughs> Indy and Louisville and West And They're cool. It's great. Don't get me wrong. It's fun. Winning is fun. Kids love it. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be what matters. What matters is is that you you can actually hang your hand uh, you know, or sleep well at night knowing that you've done well by these kids and you didn't daddy ball it up and you didn't you know, only think about a select few kids, you actually ran it like an organization with good people, right? And yeah. and so, you know, what what are some of the things that stick out to you where you're saying, okay, here's a 10-year-old or a 9- or 10-year-old dad or mom listening to this. What are some of the things that you know they're going to get sucked into that you would caution them against?
1: Uh, they're going to get sucked into if they feel they're paying you know, uh
0: dollars dollars 2000 a year for a season, that they're thinking, oh, I'm going to get this top-notch coach. We're going to be playing in these top-notch, you know, events, and my son is going to be the starter, a shortstop playing uh, in high school, right? Everybody thinks it's because you put on a jersey and you pay the money and they call it a travel or select team that, oh, I'm there, I arrived. And it's not mm-hmm. the case. It's not the case. I mean, we've watched probably one or two new organizations show up or pop up every year to two years that claim the same thing. Uh, they come out, they play teams like us who have been together. Uh, there's many of them like us, but and they just get hammered. And mm-hmm. their parents get upset. I'm paying all this money, right? And they turn around, and guess what happens? It's uh, dad's son who's batting first and pitching, and they realize this is not good. So I, your research is important, right? Uh, if you're going to go with an organization, you see their name, you see them out and about, make some phone calls. Pick a parent off the sideline, right? Hey, how's this going for <laughs> these guys, right? Don't just assume that because you wrote the check and you got the jersey that the next step is going to be easy. And, and our and our and our final few uh, moments with you, Brad. Uh, now that we've kind of talked to the parents and and uh, you know, kind of given what we think is a pretty good playbook. Because remember, now let me just ask you: Do you remember the book that I was so hung up on that gave me the conviction that I needed to really leap out and start the organization? Uh, I should, but I don't. I should, but I don't. What is it? The the Matheny Manifesto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 he and it, it it was absolutely like just soul shaking for me because and I'm not being sarcastic. It was it rocked me to my core because it really at that time and I'm not going to get into it. You know, on 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 this on this platform, but that was a rocky time for us. There was there was a lot of stress. Um, you know, ironically, on the heels of winning a PBR World Series at Nine U. Uh, which is one of the coolest accomplishments they made. I mean, that was just tremendous, right? Like, we win that tournament, which is probably the biggest event in our age group, at least this side of the country that year. Oh, yeah. And, and it was met with a somberness. It was, it was just an odd mix of emotions and feelings. And so that, that, um, that book was recommended to me on a whim, and I happened to read it in like a week. And his whole thing is, you know, about, you know, seeing the big picture. So if you think about this and you know, I'm a fiery guy. I'm, I'm a pretty emotional guy. But, you know, if, if you're yelling for whatever reason at a game, is that best for the kid or is it best for you? Because you need to get it out. Like, and that's just one example. But when you step back and you look at it and say, okay, whatever the action is, take the action, the way I made a lineup, the way I talked to a kid, the way I talked to a parent, the way I made a schedule out, the way I did training, is it for the kid or is it for you? And, and that's a pretty easy accountability measure, and yeah. and the whole idea is that these kids. You know, he always said he would get back into coaching you sports if he could coach orphans, because <laughs> it's never the kids that are the problem; it's the adults and their unrealistic expectations and you know the the, the pressure they place on the kids. So I think what we try to do is say, look, we're gonna we're gonna play highly competitive baseball, we're gonna train you at a high level, we're gonna expect great things from you, which is all great. This isn't rainbow and, and unicorn, rainbows and unicorns. However, you can do that without placing a palpable pressure on the kid, right? I mean, don't you right. think that that's a that's a key component? It is. It is, and in uh, a great uh, segue to that was was we just lost an event last weekend, and mm-hmm. the game that we lost was one of the best baseball games that I think we've been a part of in years. Yeah. And in our closing speeches, our biggest you know point was, guys, we played great, right? It wasn't about we didn't win the trophy. It wasn't about oh. So-and-so didn't make a play. We missed a hit. It wasn't in general. Guys, you, you, you just learned from this loss, right? Mm-hmm. Don't take it to the point where we're failures. That was awesome. Good job. We could have easily gone the other way and said, ah, you didn't do this. That strikeout in the third inning was terrible. we got to get more strikes thrown or that error couldn't have been done. We didn't do that. We didn't do that. We went the other route of you should be happy with yourself. You just played a real baseball game against a good team. It didn't work out. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. And I think if – uh and a lot of people take that direction, and it's tough every time. I get it. There's some games where you have to point out the, uh, you know, the pitfalls and the things that didn't get done. That's that's the downside of coaching. Uh, but if you can have a nice even keel back and forth between those two things, uh, you know, you're, you're going to promote uh, you know, good sportsmanship, and you're gonna you're gonna have some good players on your hands. That's a great example too. I mean, think about it. You know, we got out hit four to three. They actually had had one error. We had zero. In fact, it was the opposite. That's the best defensive. Display of baseball that we've had in a long time. Oh, I mean, outstanding. Outstanding. The, the pitching, the back and forth. They had two more hits than we did when they needed them. It's just that simple, and that a- and it happens. You know, like right now, the co- the finals of the college world series. Series. I'm sure we'll all be able to watch tonight as a group. It starts at seven o'clock tonight, and it'll be Banner or Mississippi State. And you look at a tale of two games. You know, both games have gone a little crooked on both on either side the last two games. But the winner of the College World Series will have, what, at least 17 or 18 losses. And and by the way, I don't know if either team even won their conference during the radio season. So it's like, you know, I, I well, these two are in the same conference, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, it, it, you're going to face failure. It's, and, and again, it goes back to culture. It's my belief that a sound culture with quality adults around these young people are going to give them a better environment to grow in a game that's based on failure could not agree more. So, could not agree um, more. So in closing, I got to ask you this, Brad, uh because I, I would absolutely be remiss if I didn't, but you know, what what is I think I know the answer to this, but I could be wrong. But but can I you know, readers digest on a couple of your favorite memories as as a dad and a coach? Uh so favorite memory as a dad would actually be it was so we just finished our season, and I believe it might have been 10 or 11 U, and every kid gets a chance to play in, um, there's an organization that allows for like an all-star event, you get a card and you get to play in a game or a couple games after the season's over, you know, they kind of do a big uh, little thing for the kids, but, and I was able to watch a walk-off home run in the semifinals, and that was my son, and that was the coolest thing in the world. Well, then, as a coach, I got to watch it the next day, because one of the same players on our team that played with us the whole summer hit a walk-off to win the event, so, I mean, those are two of my, my absolute all-time favorites, right? Now, for a fun story, one of my favorite stories is watching uh, a young kid, who would have been, I think, 10U at that point, hit his first home run. He's wearing somebody else's helmet because he couldn't find it going up the bat. And he's so elated that he hit a home run. He slams the helmet down running run the first base, and the whole crowd goes silent, right? So, you don't know what to do to cheer, to tell him to stop it or to yell at him, but he just runs around the bases, and we're just sitting there laughing. Right. So, yeah, I mean, those are the talk about the uh, the seriousness and the funny part of baseball. Uh, those are my those are my favorite memories right there. But that is out. Yeah. Yeah. And and as a coach, what, what is the what is the event or one or two events, like some of our memories that just is, is something that you, you'll carry with you to your grave? It would be coming out of what I would consider to be the, the largest underdog in Cooperstown as a 12 year old team. 12U U a team, and playing against a Goliath, we were not supposed to be there. We, we should have been knocked out probably halfway through in the, in the, in the semifinals, if not quarterfinals. And uh, everybody uh, pretty much looked at us like we were crazy because we were batting our entire lineup. So mm-hmm. we took a bunch, of, a bunch of kids from the same area in Cincinnati to an event where people stacked their teams, and we took it to the limit. And we got beat by a better team because let's face it, they were bigger, stronger, and played more baseball than we did. And that was it. Yep, that was it. I, I will, I will remember that forever. That was unbelievable. And you can count on one hand, in my opinion, you count on one hand how many teams would would have been in that position in the finals. For me, as a coach, who's by the way, I'm not Pete Rose, but I would absolutely bet on my own team. The, mm-hmm. I, I, I would, I would only bet against us uh, in a couple of scenarios. And that kid that they threw. The Gulf Coast Monarchs and and that team. I don't know if we win one out of ten. I mean, I'm just being honest.
1: I mean, sometimes we were get just talking
0: about it. Oh, that kid, his fastball, his slider looked like a fastball. I think he mixed a changeup in there too, which was ridiculous. He
1: was outstanding.
0: Yeah, and a six six foot one, throwing eighty mile an hour fastball and a seventy two mile an hour slider. Um, and from fifty five feet, from, from fifty
1: fifty feet, fifty feet, yeah, right,
0: 50, 50, 50 feet, and a team that was just stacked from what, six or seven different states, but I'm with you. That, yeah. That Cooperstown winning the semifinal and getting to the final, I've never felt elation like that as a coach because I it wasn't that I, you know, I, I'd given up. I, I I had fully thought we're gonna win this thing. But I mean getting to the finals and knowing that these kids get to be a part of that red carpet introduction and, and the people lining the field at the end and the big screen on in the outfield air in the game. I knew that that memory for them versus not making the finals and having to watch another team do that it was special, you know. We had, we I, had six umpires.
1: There were six umpires there. What what oh. the joke six umpires? <laughs> it,
0: was, it was something, right? And then and then for the um oh, our guy, um his name his name escapes me. I just I'm the one that came up with it last week. But our guy who ran the turn, Oscar. Oscar. Yeah, he comes up and he says you know, there's not many Ohio teams that make the finals here. You know, you, you've gotten through California, Florida, Texas, you know, whatever. We we're, we want to see you do this. We want to see yeah. you, you know, carry this underdog role even more. Why are you batting 12? And I looked at him, square in his eye, right before we're about to go up and do the, remember they did interviews with the newspaper and I had to yeah. do a bunch of stuff right before. I, and I looked at him I said I said, Oscar, here's a lineup card. There's my team. I want you to go pick three kids and you tell them that they're not going to bat today in this environment. And he looked at me and he said, I totally get your point, my man. Yep. And, and that was it. And you know what? We went. We, we didn't win it. And I don't know if we batted five instead of 12 if it would have mattered. But yeah. we did it our way. So, anyway. But, uh,
1: well, bro, to, go on record, to go on yeah. record, the last thing I'll say, I am still
0: on video jumping up in the air when we made the last out in the semifinals I think I jumped the farthest
1: I ever have in my entire life but it's on video somewhere so we gotta find uh, it.
0: I ha- I have it I
1: have yeah, it, and I, it. And
0: I don't know if you remember but I was I had to camouflage myself in the corner of the dugout because those dugouts were so close that every coach and player was picking up on pitch calling right. and if you remember ice we threw ice our, our, our I would say at that time and yeah, you know, he was he was a hammer he was throwing Oh. As good as anybody, right? Including oh, other true. teams. Yeah. But we true. decided we, we gotta win the semifinal, we'll figure it out in the final. And I would not allow myself to get excited. I got excited in one moment in that game and going into like moments when your power's a dad is yeah. my son Tommy hit a home run in that semifinal game on the yep. field to so put us ahead one to nothing. Yep. Um, and I allowed myself to get excited for a second there. But I said over there on pins and needles, focus on calling every pitch because I I just I couldn't let myself you know get get to a place where I was too high or too low, and then finally when that line drive was hit to Eli and they caught it, you freak out. I come out of the dugout. I finally allowed myself to have a moment. So yeah, was a special special okay, yeah yes. outstanding. So, I loved it. Uh, but anyway, well, hey man, this has been great. Um, I, uh, I I appreciate it for the centers that understand how road trips work. My son uh, sitting in the back seat, all stretched out because he's now six feet, almost six foot one, um, realizes I'm doing a podcast and just showed me a picture of a toilet on his phone letting me know he's got to stop and go to the bathroom. <laughs> so that's the life of road trips for baseball dads, right? But uh, Yep. So, so thanks, Brad. I appreciate it. Um, I can't wait. Remember, this is a little uh, precursor. Heather might slap you and me tonight for saying this, but the, uh, the uh, BRO, the B-R-O-E, the, the BRO Youth Baseball Manifesto podcast, Yes, this will be our our introduction to that because uh, we'll have that ready to go soon. So it's coming, it's uh, coming. So we we transition now from uh, our our uh, one of our coaches, Brad Thomas, to uh, the newest addition. I guess I'd say to our coaching staff, uh, a guy that actually played played uh, against growing up. Uh, he was kind of the King Kong of youth baseball back in the day, and uh, and, and and now I get to coach with. It's a it's a fitting the fitting uh, addition here because uh, when we started this organization we actually started two teams in our age group we did an Ohio Nationals red and an Ohio Nationals white and uh, most people would wonder why you would try to cannibalize your age and I actually argued that again in the spirit of development and doing the right thing for the kids if we have more more bodies more coaches more people that can train together and work together that's great but it was also a great fit for the year that we're in right now because we had a handful of kids that were playing in high school that couldn't start until late, and so we were able to merge our teams and, and play together. But uh, So I have with me uh, R.J. Hayes, who is, uh, again, like I said, our assistant. He's taking over coaching third base, calling pitches, essentially all the stuff they gave me, ultras for four years, uh, he's been doing, and, uh, and is also a high school coach. So, uh, R.J., g- give a little bit of your background for everybody uh, before we get into the good stuff, man.
1: Uh, background for me, you know, I grew up in the game. Um, it was kind of what I love to do. A lot of guys like to spend their summer fishing or camping at the pool. I spent my life on the baseball field and that's what I love. Uh, I went to Milford High School, then on to Moorhead State University, and, um, and now the head baseball coach at Redding High School in Cincinnati, where I also teach fifth grade. I've uh, taught for about 20 years at this point. So in, in summertime, I spend with uh, with my good friend Joe. you know, teaching the boys and and giving them uh, same experiences that we had growing up in the game. And you know, you and you you
0: you come with a really good uh, mindset, and it's one that I I always I've picked your brain before. And by the way, this is not for uh, my wife always says I'm. You know, with our organization, it's like I like to think I've built what. Well, what I think is, is, is a, my idea of our organization. But the reality is is that, you know, my opinion isn't as important as others because they're the ones that are objective. So, you know, you spent a couple of years competing against us. You and obviously you coaching and your son Tucker Plan, who is now a, a big addition on our team as well. It was, a, it was a great super for us to have you and Tucker. But what was the perception of the organization before you joined?
1: Well, so I've also gotten kind of a three-fold approach because I've gotten to coach, you know, against you. I've gotten to coach in the same organization, but on the other team. And then, you know, with you on the, on, on, on our team for the past two years. Uh, perception-wise, number one, it was, damn, these guys are really good. Um, it was one of the cases where I think, uh, the Nationals were I don't want to say disliked or or hated, but it was kind of like the Midland Redskins when we grew up, Joe, to where you just wanted mm-hmm. a piece of them. You, you, you wanted to beat them so badly. And, um, you know, I always felt that, that the kids were, were, you know, hard-nosed, great players, uh, played the game the right way. You didn't see a whole lot of attitude issues, anything like that. So uh, it was definitely – an organization that you wanted to model your own after.
0: Well, and that's, you know, it,
1: it, and, and we talked a little bit earlier
0: about it, RJ, in that, you know, when we built it, we wanted to show that you could be competitive and and, and, and beat some tail on the field, but not do it to a point where you're compromising what you are as a culture, you know? And so, right. um, obviously, you know, you you, you played as, as a kid. I, I think this is this is why I love having you on here, is because... You know, I, I played for some good teams. I mean, I played on the first ever Cincinnati Flames team uh, that used to be Knuckles. I was on Knuckles, and, of course, they nice. folded. And so, you know, uh, Jay Basil started the Flames. And on that team, um, you know, we had, I think, 14 Division One players. And of, of of the whole group, I think there were five draft picks. So I've seen my share of good, of good teammates, good games, good tournaments. But it's going to be really tough for anybody to compare what you went through with Morgan Ross and the Hurricanes. How was that do you have memories of of those years of those teams that you played on and those trips and games that you played in?
1: Oh one hundred percent I mean you know i I try not to be a glory days kind of guy, but you know there are times when when those stories just rush into your head and and the memories and you know yeah a lot comes some comes to mind from the games and the tournaments you played in, but just as many come in from. The time you spent off the field with those guys. The time you, you spent stuck <laughs> up in the hotels and, you know, trying not to get in trouble and get your team kicked out, you know, cause you're running around at two in the morning. So just, just different, different, different memories outside the field as well. Um, in fact, we just recently lost, uh, one of our teammates, um, he passed away in his sleep and it, it brought, a, probably 20 to 25 guys that played in that organization over an eight-year period uh, brought guys back together. Um, we raised the money for the family. We were able to raise $12,000 for his wife and kids. And, um, you know, a lot of those memories came flooding back, and it reconnected us, um, unfortunately, you know, due to a uh, tragic event. But you know, those those are things that I will never forget. I, I share those with my son. Uh, from time to time, I share them with the boys on the on our national squad, and uh, you know those those things will be with me forever.
0: You know it's it's crazy to think about this, but I'll go through this, and, and I know that you've probably done this in your mind. But you and I competing, and I would say I still say this, and now you you still throw batting practice, and you're a part of what I would say is probably if not the top one of the top five. Uh, 18 youth baseball organizations in the entire world, which is the Midland Redskins. Um, and they're based right out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And so not only did we see that play against them and, and see the, see what they did when we were players, but now you see it as a coach. So I argue that we live in one of the hotbeds of youth baseball, of anywhere in the world. And everybody thinks it's got to be Texas, Florida, California. I argue, or even George or where East Cobb is, you and I grew up playing in one of the toughest environments for youth baseball. So, not just in high school with our with our division that sent a lot of guys to to to, the, to uh, professional baseball, but also in summer baseball. And now, you look at we go to the ballpark. I mean, so a couple of weeks ago, it was me, you, Keith Jones, who coaches our other uh, national team, Wes Milburn, who played with me growing up, and you. We've got Mike Chaney, who coaches one of our our, our team. You just the list goes on. Brad Vogley. you, know, you get all these guys that we grew up uh, playing with are now coaches, and it's like become this 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 environment, this culture. And it's like I can't help but think you and I and other coaches, Brad, all the people that we've we've mentioned, are shaping these kids that one day they'll probably be in the same position. Have you thought about that? Like right.
1: exactly, yeah. It's almost like uh, you know, pass it on, pass on the. You know the pastime to to the youth so it can be carried on because as we all know, you know this, this this game is has uh, unfortunately I don't want to say fizzled but you know lost some of its its uh, its following over the the
0: past decade or so. Something I wanted to unpack a little bit with you on this is how different this world is now compared to when we were playing. I mean. You know, back when we when you and I were playing, it was like, all right, now you, you were on an anomaly. Morgan Roth and the Hurricanes were a complete anomaly. But by and large, when you hit 16, 17, 18, it, at the time, it was Knuckle, Storm, Club, or Midler, right? Right. Yeah. And, and and now compare that now. Like, You know, how do you even compare that,
1: man? You can't. And, and really, you know, if you think about it in our day, there were maybe eight to ten select teams in the entire city. Really, within you know, between here, Dayton, and Columbus, um, and and now there are hundreds of what what terms select baseball teams. So it was a it was a it different different game and a, a different level of play. And 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 the
0: and, and the whole landscape. I look back at it, man. And you were a you were a phenomenal pitcher, but you also were a good hitter. I mean, you played you even brag. You you were not only a top pitcher. But you happen to show some stats where you out hit me, which was completely embarrassing, <laughs> by the way. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I never even dreamed of pitching in a game ever from 8U until whatever. You know, it's, now it's like every team is constructed to have basically 10 kids that can all deal. And it, because – and it's it mainly back then. I didn't have to because, number one, I don't think coaches were as cognizant of pitch count. And number two, we weren't playing 55 games. I mean, this world's gotten crazy. Well, I just want to thank uh, Coach R.J. Hayes. He's been invaluable to organization and the conversation of being able to unpack some of our incredible memories and the impact that not just that we've had on the boys, but especially what the boys have had on us throughout this incredible journey that we've had as an organization and our ability to maintain a really good culture uh, with low turnover and not always looking for that that next big arm that next big bat but but keeping our kids believing in our kids and really believing in true development and growth as an organization as a team so uh thank you rj thank you everybody for listening this has been extremely special for me uh, we have a few weeks left in our in our what's been our incredible journey as the ohio nationals uh, baseball organization and uh we look forward to it so until next time we're signing off from the authentic conviction podcast